thank you uh, to the choir for their uh, beautiful singing today. It really is a ministry to us. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you as we look at your word. We ask that you would speak to us in our lives. We realize that your word is powerful. Guide and direct us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This passage in 2 Kings chapter 4, we see in the passage a great God who is sovereign over all the circumstances of our lives. We see the reality of an all-powerful God working in a very real way in an all-too-common situation, one which could have had very serious consequences. If you want to turn that passage up again in Second Kings chapter 4, I want you to notice, and I don't know any, anybody's situation this morning, but I suppose I felt this is what God wanted me to say today. You notice in verse 1 a double tragedy. Living as a believer in the days of the dynasty of Omri in Israel were extremely difficult. Particularly for the prophets of God, those called by God to proclaim his word. And to proclaim that word to the nation. The prophets would have had small informal study groups which would have met to encourage each other in these difficult times. They would have studied the word of God and prayed together. They were called the sons of the prophet. We're told that the widow of one of the sons of the prophets goes to Elisha for help in what we see is a double double tragedy. The first circumstance that she's trying to deal with is the death of her husband. This woman's husband dies. He's not rich in the world's terms. But he is rich whenever it comes to his relationship with God. As we might say, he loved Jesus. And this widow was left to care for her children. Without a breadwinner in the house, this widow was left to cope with an accruing debt. It seems so unfair that in tough times, her husband stood for the Lord. And yet now, his loved ones are facing disaster. Do you get that? Her husband has been one of the prophets, been sharing God's word and and serving God faithfully. And yet, whenever he dies, she's left and struggling. The second disaster is the debt that she owed to her creditors. This widow owes money to a creditor who actually comes looking for it. She doesn't have the money to pay for it. The creditor is going to take the widow's children as slaves to repay this debt. And we think, how could he do that? Well, actually this action was acceptable according to the law. But it would have been a devastating blow, particularly given her loss. Her sons were this family's security for the future. God had made provision for families whenever death occurred. The kinsman redeemer would take responsibility for the family to ensure their welfare. 
But in this situation, there's no mention of any provisions God has made. There appears to be no other family. There is no kinsman redeemer. This little family fall through the social security net. What we see here is that the tragedies in life are experienced by all men and women. God's people are not exempt from the harsh realities of life. This widow was on the brink of losing everything which was so dear to her. And here we see the two conflicting realities in this widow's life. Whenever we read those words, your servant feared Yahweh. And then the creditors are coming. The truth of the matter is, whether you're a faithful believer in Christ this morning or not, we all face trials and difficulties of all kinds. It can be cancer. It can be crop failure. It can be loss of all sorts in our lives. It can be unemployment. There are a host of things that we can experience. The situation of debt is becoming an increasing problem. Food poverty. Christians are not exempt from these things. But the question here is what was this widow to do? How are we to respond to the circumstances that we find ourselves in? As we come here this morning to celebrate harvest and the provision of God. Also in verse 1 I want you to notice a cry to God. The widow in her time of need turns to the man of God. Someone who will give her God's perspective in the situation. Perhaps she feels Elisha will understand as the one who shares her faith in Yahweh. She's looking to God, but also looking to her brother in the Lord for help. And I'm thinking, what's this widow thinking at this minute? What's going through her head? She was perhaps treasuring questions in her heart, as we all do. What am I going to to do to sort this situation out? Have you ever found yourself in in this situation, as I have in my life, thinking, I can't fix this. I just can't fix it. Or maybe even, Lord, why me? What have I done that I deserve to be in this situation? Or even, God, where are you? I can't see you at the minute. Where are you in the midst of my circumstances? Can God help me in the midst of my poverty, in my grief, in my circumstances? Or maybe even, Lord, what do you think of me? What do you think of Will you discard me? Am I worthless? 
I think this widow has stated her situation very clearly to Elisha. And she's going through what we might call the Jehoshaphat syndrome, as we often come to. In Second Chronicles 20 and verse 12, we read these words. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There are times in our lives when we can only cry out to God, realizing that he is a God of grace. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this, but my eyes are on you. Maybe if you are in that situation this morning, sometimes it's helpful to talk to our brothers and sisters in Christ, whom we trust about our situations that we find ourselves in. And like Elisha, maybe they are able to give us God's perspective. Or maybe they're just simply even able to pray with us. And pray for us. Or maybe even this morning, there are people that you know who would appreciate that listening ear. Who would appreciate you praying for them or with them. They're bottling up their struggle because they haven't the courage to share it with anybody. Because they feel they appear weak and lacking in faith and all sorts of stuff. Maybe we need to get alongside each other. But then as we go on, we see a command from God. Alicia asks a question which is probably in her heart. What shall I do for you? Great question. Great question for us to ask anybody. What can I do for you? What can I pray for you? Through Alicia, she realizes that God is concerned for her. Just simply through that question. He's not, God is not going to walk away from her or turn a deaf ear. And maybe we should note here that Alicia is not going to engage in a course of social reform. Amos and others were called to do that. And maybe Alicia will do that later. But at this point, Alicia is called to be a pastor to this woman. Don't get me wrong. I think it's really important that we engage in those social ways, that we do engage with food banks and Christians Against Poverty and all sorts of things. But at this point, Alicia is called to be pastor. Sister, what do you have in the house? Nothing except, nothing at all except a jar of oil. And the jar of oil in itself will not sort out the problem. In fact, the jar of oil is a symbol of her destitution. But isn't it amazing? This is the amazing thing about the God who provides. He takes a symbol of destitution and he uses it to display his glory and his provision. He takes the point of our weakness to start doing something amazing. She comes to him with nothing except something which appears to be hopeless in her difficulty. It's the same in Mark 6 whenever Jesus fed the 5,000 people. It was the five loaves and two fish. And yet Jesus provided for everybody and nobody lacked anything. 
In 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 10, we're told about the apostles who were described as having nothing, yet possessing everything. And my God will supply all your needs. Oh no, he doesn't take the issue away. We all have to go through those times. Paul himself asked for his thorn in the flesh to be taken away three times. God said no. But my grace will be sufficient for you in the midst of this. I will help you to get through this. I'm not going to take it away. Because I'm going to display my grace and my glory through you. In how you deal with this. So God gives this widow a command to follow through Elisha. She's to go and borrow some vessels from her neighbours. Some jars. Then she's to go into her house with her family. Shut the door and start pouring into each of the vessels. Or the jars. When each one is full, to set it aside and then start another. Elisha wasn't going to be beside her to hold her hand through this. She was to be alone with God and her family. And that would increase her own faith as she had to learn to trust God for herself and not be dependent on Elisha. You can't borrow conviction. Elisha had been faithful in sharing God's express word to her. And both Elisha and the widow believe that God will provide the oil. The word is consistent with what God had done before at Zarephath with Elijah and the widow. But God's words are always consistent. He doesn't contradict himself. But here we see the importance of being able to share the word of God with those in need. So we need to know it for ourselves to understand what it means and be able to apply it and be wise in our application for others. Close to your Bible. You're aware of what God is saying to you in your circumstances and then being able to apply that for others? Because that's the way this command works. God speaks to her through Elisha. It's amazing the power of God whenever, whenever he takes a servant of his and is able to share that word with others, just simply shared of what God has been doing in our lives. We share our story of how he's spoken to us with others. But then we see the willing obedience. The widow responds to what she hears from Elisha with an instant obedience. She goes straight from his presence to do exactly what he's told her. There's no room here for negotiation. Well, if I, I'll, do, I'll do this, or, or maybe if I do this instead, or... She does exactly what God has said to her through Elisha. She gathered all the jars from her neighbours that she could find. Can you imagine what it was like for her? Gathering all those jars from all the neighbours. wonder was she the talk of the town. As she was going to one after another and they discovered what she was at. I had a visit from so-and-so the other day and she asked me for jars. Funny, she did the same with me. She doesn't question the wisdom or how foolish she will look. She just does what God tells her to do. And she believes that God will act as a result of these actions. And so she's committed to it. God will provide for her in her need. His word has come through the prophet and so she's going to trust The widow wasn't just a spectator in what God was doing. 
she was participating. As she participates, her need is provided for, and through this, God is building her up in her faith. She is learning obedience no matter what it costs. We notice here that God's work with us doesn't always happen in the public eye. She went into her house, shut the door, and God did something amazing with her and her family. What God did in private had a very public consequence. The neighbours would have noticed a difference in her demeanour and also in her circumstances. She had been provided for. And I'm sure that would have fueled many a conversation in the local community. But it's interesting, isn't it? That God enlists the help of her neighbours even though they probably had absolutely no idea of what was going on. Ronald Wallace, in his commentary, says, It is a tragedy to see Christians too proud or nervous to seek or accept help that can come to them from fellow Christians. I think that's incredible. It's amazing how often we refuse help from brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's be willing to accept the help from our neighbors, from our brothers and sisters in Christ. If they offer to pray with us, let them do it. If they want to share a burden with us, let them do it. If there's any way that we can provide help, let's come alongside If there's any way that we can ask for help, let's do it. Because Jesus did it with the the woman at the well. Willing servants, living in obedience to what God has asked of us. But then we see as a result of this, as this woman comes to God through this prophet, we see a blessing from God in verse 7. Elisha then tells the widow to go and sell the oil, pay the debt and live in the leftovers. What this shows is that God has provided the means by which her immediate need, the debt, is provided for and that her ongoing need is also dealt with as he has made provision for her in the future. God's grace for this widow is sufficient. We need to take that out of this service and apply that this week in the various situations and circumstances that we go for. He is able to do immeasurably more than than she can think or imagine. And it's the same with us. The same promise is given to us. The truth was that there was no limit to what God was going to do for this widow. Had the vessels kept, or the jars kept coming, then the oil would have kept flowing. I don't know the circumstances that you're in this morning. But I know what God says in his word. I know my experience. And I've, I've said this in Rosemary so often. The times that I have felt most difficult in my life, and there have been a few of those, those have been the times that I felt the grace of God surround me in the most significant of ways to deal with circumstances that I just couldn't fix. Isn't it true also for us in the debt of sin that we owe to God? In Christ there is abundant provision for us. His salvation is from past sin, present sin, and from future sin. 
No matter how many times we come to him in his grace in Jesus Christ, God provides for us. And one of the devil's greatest ploys is to make us to, or to get us to think that there is a limit to the grace of God in our lives. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. I was listening to a song on the way up this morning called Living Hope. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. Christ is our living hope. It is this grace which transforms this situation. It is his grace which changes this widow's life and he enables her to embrace him and his love forever and which is transformational. That's true for us this morning. No matter what our circumstances, good, bad or indifferent, he is able to supply each of our needs out of the riches of his grace in Christ Jesus. Why don't you embrace him? Just as this widow did with Elisha. She took God at his word and her circumstances were transformed because he, he was able to provide for her. He enabled her to get through the difficult circumstances. He didn't reverse the circumstances. He enabled her to get through them with his grace and with his sufficiency. Let's pray together. Father, we turn to you this morning and we do thank you for your word. And, and the reality this morning that you know every one of our circumstances. You know how we come to you. And so we ask that you would speak to each one of us in our hearts and help us to embrace Jesus, to realize that you are able to provide for us all that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.